This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, since Tuesday, there has been plenty of conversation about recounts, about absentee ballots. I think we all learned a few lessons in politics, things that maybe we weren't too clear on before. But to say we're clear on everything, well, that's taking a big step. There's still a lot of uncertainty. And joining us to talk a little bit more about what happens now in BC politics is Keith Baldry with Global BC. Keith, good morning to you. Morning, Jill. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, tired. <laughs> Still, yes, that was a long night. It was uh, unprecedented, it was epic, and it was exciting, and we still don't know what the outcome is. Uh, we do know that uh, it takes a while for absentee ballots to be counted. That was one of the questions I kept hearing was, why does it take so long? But I suppose uh, getting them all back to the ridings, having staff to count them, that's uh, how it works. Yeah, it is taking longer than I think most people are used to, but we usually have an outcome on election night that doesn't require this sort of interminable wait. Uh, but Elections BC has this process that uh, in years past has never really been much of an issue because we know who the winner is. And what's different this time is we don't know who won the election. Uh, it's still unclear right now. The Liberals have the most seats, but with the re- with the uh, final count still to come, that could change. I mean, it's conceivable the NDP could end up with the most seats uh, after all is said and done. That's a bit of a long shot, but it's possible. Uh, and we don't know whether the Liberals having the most seats have a majority of seats or whether they just have a minority. And uh, right now they have a minority, but uh, it, like I say, it's uh, subject to change. Uh, what would happen then? Because uh, as we know, it's still uh, Christy Clark is still the Premier right now. Uh, if those recounts led the Liberals to have a majority, as that is one of the possible outcomes, would things then go on? I, I don't use the word normal, but would she then govern and we would put this to bed? Yeah, if if, uh, if the Liberals can get to 44 seats, uh, with, which would uh, happen if the riding of Courtney Comox were to flip from a nine-seat a nine-vote uh, NDP victory or lead to a, a liberal lead, then it would flip to a, a, a liberal majority uh, with 44 seats, but they'd have to appoint a speaker, uh, which would take them to 43. The speaker would always vote for them in, in case of a tie. Um, but um, it's, it's not clear exactly how effective a 44-seat majority is going to be because of a, you know, appointing the speaker, you've got a bare majority. It would be very hard to run the House uh, and operate a legislature with a bare majority such as that. We haven't had a situation like that uh, for for quite some time. But a majority is a majority. So Christy Clark would still be the premier, still be a liberal government, and they would basically have to manage the House in a, in a very tight, disciplined way. Uh, but it can be done. If it's not a majority, though, then we're off into uncharted waters, and it would be basically you, you can form a government if you have the confidence of the legislature, which means you have the the ability to not only introduce legislation, but to pass it into law, particularly on matters of taxation. And if Christy Clark is stuck at 43 seats, she would require the assistance and support of at least one Green Party member to be able to do that. And if she can't do that, then the lieutenant governor would presumably, again, we don't entirely know for sure, but it's, it's figured it's con- by convention, would turn to John Horgan and the NDP, with his 41 seats, and say, can you uh, make the legislature function and and pass legislation? And he would have to demonstrate he can do that with the uh, support of the of the Green Party. 
the lieutenant governor's chief interest here is making the legislature work and and function and pass laws and she doesn't really care what party can do that as long as one party can do that and uh, it's either going to be the bc liberals or the bc ndp if one of them cannot get to a majority having said that there are recounts in a number of writings um, recounts usually do not change the outcome uh, of even the closest of races uh, you may think on, on the surface it looks like a 120-vote lead for the Liberals in Maple Ridge Mission may seem razor thin, but actually history shows our experiences that's still probably enough to withstand a recount and a, and a, a, a count of, of the absentee ballots. But again, until all votes are counted... Uh, the outcome of this thing is still very much up in the air. Uh, because we have seen recounts do that in the past. The first one that came to my mind was uh, Wally Opal and Vicki Huntington. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there, there, there have been uh, outcomes overturned uh, by the barest of margins. Uh, it does happen from time to time. Uh, Selena Robinson and Millardville uh, won in uh, 2013, although on election night, I think it was Steve and Kim of the BC Liberals who was actually ahead at the time, but the recount put... Robinson over the top. So it can happen. It usually happens by when the result is less than 100 votes, but it, it can, you know, it can happen on, on, on higher uh, vote totals than that. So we've got a number of writings still up in the air. The NDP's filed recounts in a number of them. Uh, Richmond Queensboro is, is one. Coquitlam Burke Mountain is another. Uh, the outcome of Courtney Comox is still up in the air, as is the outcome of Maple Ridge uh, Mission. So in uh, in all of them, we're talking less than 300 votes, uh, and it can change. I looked at the absentee vote totals in 2013 from the last election. There have been instances where uh, you know someone's lead went from 800 on election night to you know 300 or 400 after the absentee votes. So when the absentee votes come in, they can affect the outcome of uh, of the election, and we'll see. It, like I say, it's conceivable the NDP if they suddenly take. Coquitlam, Burke Mountain, Richmond, Queensboro, and, and one other, uh, they could be the party with the most seats uh, come come the final count. Like I said, I think that's a bit of a long shot. I think UBC professor Kevin Milligan did a sort of a mathematical um, sort of statistical odds uh, um, study and determined that you know the outcomes do, don't favor either party necessarily maintaining a majority here, but just maintaining the status quo outcome of, uh, of election night. Uh, so it puts Andrew Weaver in a position, uh, a quite a powerful one. It puts him in a in a powerful one and an unenviable one, I would think, uh, where he's going to be criticized no matter what he does. If if neither the BC NDP or the BC Liberals can achieve a majority, they're they're all going to be turning to Andrew Weaver. Uh, for for support, and Weaver is going to be criticized no matter which way he goes, either BC NDP or uh, or, or BC Liberal, and his supporters will will uh, be critical, or some of his supporters will be critical no matter which way he goes here. So he's under enormous pressure of um, of backing either party. Uh, so he, on the one hand, he has power uh, potentially to determine who forms the government. On the other hand. How he wields that power and exercises that power is going to land him in a heap of trouble with a whole bunch of his of his uh, supporters. You know, some of them want nothing to do with Christy Clark, others want nothing to do with the NDP. But Weaver also has to balance that against the the fact that he will be able to achieve a number of things in the Green Party platform. 
for example, he's told me uh, in an interview that uh, his deal breakers are uh, a party has to agree to ban corporate and union donations to political parties. So that's that's item number one that he's going to have on the table, and presumably both the uh, Liberals and the NDP will uh, will accede to that uh, request. So that that's one. Uh, he wants uh, more money for education. That's that's easily doable uh, from either government's point of view. Uh, things like banning the grizzly bear hunt. Uh, I think that's doable for either party. So he can start achieving these things on a vote-by-vote basis uh, without entering into a former coalition with either party. Uh, he wants uh, a commitment to bring in a new proportional representation model of electing governments. Uh, presumably, both the NDP and the BC Liberals will agree to having a referendum on that issue. So he can start achieving uh, things. He can set an agenda, a list, a priority list of items, and start ticking them off as one party or another agrees to them, uh, and he agrees to keep them in power on a vote-by-vote basis. At some point, though, uh, one assumes things will collapse, and as always does in a minority government situation, the usual life is about 18 months in this country. So if there's no majority government emerging on the final count on May, on May 24th in Courtney Comox, uh, then uh, we're into a minority government situation and probably an election, I would suspect, a uh, year or year and a half from now, we're going to go through all this again. <laughs> when would we see the legislature resume? Well, the the um, the House passed the supply bill, which is a, a bill that allows the government to spend money uh, for a certain period of time uh, uh, before the election, which will take it up until about September. But I think according to the Budget uh, Accountability Act, that's what it's called, the spending estimates for the ministries, which have not been approved by the legislature, uh, have to be approved by August or the end of August. So I think the House will probably come back sometime late summer, no matter who is emerges as the victor here. Uh, and that's where the first uh, the test of uh, government will be tested with a with, uh, money bill. A government can only be defeated on a confidence motion, which is usually relating to taxation. And so there will be some bills passed or put in front of the House probably later this summer in which whoever holds the, the, the minority government situation or the majority government situation will have to test the will of the legislature and the confidence of the House, and there's going to have to be a vote one way or another. And it'll be interesting whether Weaver, if he is holding the balance of power and the Liberals do emerge as the party with the most seats, whether Weaver will support the budget and the spending estimates in a bill come this summer, uh, as long as he gets other things on the table. And I just listed a, a bunch of items, banning corporate and union money, banning the grizzly bear hunt, these types of things. He, If he sees that from the Liberals, he may very well support their budget, uh, and that will earn him the wrath of a number of people, but he may gamble that he'll take that in exchange for his priority list, having his items checked off one by one. But it's, it's a fascinating time. It's an uncertain time. Uh, and uh, as a journalist, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least, for sure. Keith, thank you so much. Always good to have you on the show. Always good to be here, Jill. Take care. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.